And I'm going to bring you the message entitled, Will the Homosexuals Destroy Us All? Now, brother, it's time for preachers to stand up in these days and be counted on some of these issues that we need to let the world know that we stand with God in the Bible on. I want you to stand all over the house, if you will. Uh, all over the house, would you please stand? First Kings chapter 14. I'm going to read to you about what happened to Sodomites in the days of the kings. I want you to look with me in the Bible in the 14th chapter. While you're turning, it's good to be here at Friendly Chapel. And I thank the Lord for being with Brother Don Collins again and with all of you in these services and especially this rally service. I want you to notice 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 22, verse 23, and verse 24. And then we're going to turn over to chapter, uh, we're going to look over in chapter 15, and we'll read there verses 11 and verses 12. I never noticed these till I started the study uh, for this message on what's going to happen uh, about the uh, great disease and the dreaded disease and the awful disease called AIDS, the syndrome of AIDS. What's going to happen to little children that's going to contract those awful, awful things? And I tell you, it's, if you've ever seen a man that has AIDS, he's like a fish. He'll start scaling after a while. And it's an awful disease. But I'm going to be speaking on that. But I want you to look, if you have your Bible, in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 22. Now notice what the Bible says here. And Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins, which they'd committed above all their fathers had done. For they also built them high places and images and groves on every high hill and under every green tree. And there were also sodomites. I want you to look what he says. And there were also Sodomites, now notice, in the land, and they did according to all the abominations. You see, God has never sanctioned the lifestyle of sodomy. God has never said one thing that's good about the sin of the homosexual. It's always God condemning those in abominations that are guilty of such sins. There's not one verse in the Bible that says it's right for a man to live with a man or a woman to live with a woman. I'll show you that in just a moment. But the Bible said, and there were also sodomites. Now notice, in the land, and they did according to all the abominations of the nations which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. Now if you will turn to the next page, and in chapter 15, I want you to see verse 11 and verse 12. And Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did David his father. And he took away the Sodomites out of the land, now notice, and removed all the idols that his fathers had made. Now notice what this Bible says about this king. He said he took the Sodomites out of the land. They corrupted it. They had brought the judgment of God down upon the land. And the Bible said he took them out of the land that they corrupted with their awful abominations and sins. I want you to be seated all the house, beloved, if you will. And in just a moment, I'm going to speak to you after I pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for every blessing. Thank you for Friendly Chapel. Thank you for Brother Don. Our Father, we thank you for these days that we've enjoyed preaching the Word of God in this revival meeting. And Lord, as we come to the final service, I pray that the sweet Spirit of God will move upon our hearts and upon our souls. May we see what's 
sin is and what sin does. And I, I pray today for America, oh God, that we might wake up. Oh, that preachers might stand up and preach as they've never preached before. Our Father, that America might receive the Word of God in these days. And Lord, when we come to talk about and when we come to preach about the sin of sodomy and the curse of God upon this generation, I pray that you speak to every heart and every soul that may be gathered here and all of those that will get this tape. Lord God, may they hear the clarion call of heaven against the sin of the homosexuals and the sin of the Lisbon and the sin of the unnatural and the sin of strange flesh. I pray today that you'll have your way and our Father will praise you and will thank you for all you do because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Beloved, I want to speak to you on will the homosexuals destroy us all. Now there's only one thing that can be said about the sin of sodomy and that is it's the judgment of God that's going to fall upon this generation. My friend, if you open up your Bible and while I preach on this Sunday afternoon, if you'll see the judgment of God upon sodomy and the judgment of God upon the unnatural, did you know that God had a had a plan? The Bible said in the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And that man walked and talked with God, but God saw that he was lonely, and God saw that he needed to help me. And instead of God making another man, the Bible said he put Adam in the deep sleep. And while he slept, God took from his side a rib and made a woman. Oh, you say, preacher, why? Because this is God's plan. God has a plan for a man. And God has a plan for a woman. And that is marriage. The Bible said marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God's going to judge. And every time it mentions sodomy in the Bible, God judged it. And God's going to judge this generation. You say, why? Because he's already judged it. A few years ago in the early 70s, there came a disease upon those in the public homosexual baths and those that practice homosexuality. And they found out they had scales on them. And they found out there's a new plague called the gay plague. A new disease called AIDS. And the syndrome started. And since that time, every six months, that's that awful disease is doubling. And the sad part of it is uh, through blood adorers and through blood transfusions and through some of the hospital equipment, people have contracted this awful disease called In a few moments, I'll talk to you more about it. But if you have your pencils tonight, I want to give you five judgments upon the thing called sodomy. Now, somebody said, but the lifestyle, doesn't a man have the privilege, brother, to choose?
choose his lifestyle. Not if it's against the word of God that a man doesn't have the privilege, brother. You say, doesn't a woman have the privilege of choosing her lifestyle? Not if it's against the word of God. I'm to live, thus saith the Lord. I believe that God has a plan and God has a program. And brother, you can't improve on God's plan. And you can't improve on God's program. I'm glad he said in Adam to condemn Eve, and they were bone to bone and flesh to flesh. And God said, multiply and replenish the earth. I want you to know that's God's plan. And when the devil begins to wreck it, and the devil begins to bring in strange flesh, it's called the sin of the homosexual or the sin of sodomy. But if you have your pencils, I want you to see how the answer of this generation and all generations as far as sodomy is concerned has been the judgment of God. Let me say that AIDS is the judgment of God upon the sodomites in this generation. But if you got your pencil, jot them down. First of all, in the days of Noah, oh, listen to me, there was a judgment that fell in that day because of the sin of sodomy. You say, where is it found? In Genesis chapter 9, it said, after God spared Noah, and after God brought him out of that great deluge of the flood, he went out, and the scripture said he planned a vineyard. And let me say this, there's no excuse for any Christians ever tasting beer or liquor or wine or anything else. Amen, brother. We need to recognize that. Somebody said, oh, but preacher, you think it's bad to take a little wine? Bless God, if you get saved real good, I mean, you'll fight it and stand against it, and you'll be a teetotaler, mister, and you'll not cry for the wine crowd and the booze crowd. Oh, but you say they got the money, but they're damning little lives. They're wrecking homes tonight, and they're causing trouble tonight. And the Bible said, Noah planted a vineyard, and he took those grapes, and they were fermented, and he got drunk, and he took off his clothes. And let me say this to you. Shame on you women that don't wear enough clothes. Are you listening to me? It's a shame and disgrace that we find this in America today. I tell you, shame on you men. Shame on you men. I remember a while back my wife said to a young fella, he came out with a pair of shorts on, little hairy legs. I didn't even know this in the Bible. My wife said to him, said, come here, I want to tell you something. And he came over and my wife said to him, do you know what the Bible says about a bare-legged man? And that little boy, fella, he wasn't a boy, he's a young man, he stuttered. My wife said, if you will turn to Psalm 147, verse 10, it says that the bare legs of a man, God has no pleasure in. And some of you little spindle-legged men, bless God, you need to wear breeches long enough to cover up your legs. God says that he has no pleasure in the bare of a man. And somebody said, well, what do you think about the women. It's abomination under God. The way some of these women dress and go up and down the streets. And if I was on a jewelry mister and was going to come in for rape, are you listening? If that woman was indecently dressed, I'd hang that jewelry brother to the judgment day. I believe that a lot of women bring it on themselves because of their indecency and because of their sin. Now watch this. And when he got in there, he took off his clothes. Noah took off his clothes, and he had three sons. The names were Ham, and Shem, and Japheth. And the Bible says that Ham came. And you know what he did? He looked, and if you look closely, and if you study that from the Old Testament, and then he committed sodomy with his daddy. 
And when he did, he went and told his brothers, and they were ashamed, and they took clothes, our garment, and went backwards, and covered up their daddy's nakedness. And when Noah woke out of his sleep, he was the one that God said, place that curse. And you know what Noah did? He looked at him, but the curse didn't fall on him. It fell on Canaan. And if you'll study the Bible and study history and study the geographical location, the Canaanites, are you listening, are the black people of the world. And God said, I'll put a curse on you. And you shall serve in the tents of Hashem and the tents of Japheth the longest day that you live. Now, I didn't put that in the Word of God. God put it in there. And it came because of the Sodom, a Sodomite sin that happened in the days of Noah. And you can't find in this Word of God where God ever smiled on the lifestyle of the homosexual or the Lisbon or the strange flesh or the way that they say the lifestyle of those that love the same sex, God said it's abomination in the sight of God. And today, the reason there's a curse on a certain people, brother, it's because of the judgment of God upon the homosexual. Secondly, look in your Bible in chapter 19 of the book of Genesis. Boy, they were just living men with men and women with women until God looked down and repented that it ever made man. And you know what God did? And this is what the book says. And God said, I'm going to destroy that place. And I've been in 80 miles. Don't you look at When I went to the Holy Land, by the way, some of you need to go to the Holy Land with us. You need to see Homer. He's up here doing the tape today. But you need to see Brother Homer. And you need to go. We went in 80 miles of Sodom. Now think about this. 80 miles of where Sodom was. And we saw rocks that still burned. <laughs> think about it. 80 miles away from the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the rocks are still scorched. And somebody said, you ought to be loving. I am loving. I am kind. I am compassionate. But anything that would cause God to send judgment and kill every living, breathing thing in cities, brother, a preacher better stand up and say that it's wrong because innocent people died because of the curse and the judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And brother, it's a terrible, terrible sin. But you take, you say, preacher, what happened? God sent two angels down there, two white angels, beautiful angels. Not, not a spot on them. Down there in that cesspool where women live with women and men live with women. Uh, men live with men. And God said, you get a lot out of the cities. I'm sorry, I'm going to store that place. Yeah. You know what happened? Those angels were men. Never in the Bible do you find what angel is in the gender or the feminine. It's always it's always, it comes as a man. An angel always appears as a man. And when these two men came down as angels, the men of Sodom came up and said, We want you men. You angels, we want to lie with you. And the Bible said God made them blind, those people of Sodom. And old Lot went out and said, I've got two daughters. They're married. Now listen to me. They married homosexuals. Now I'm going to make it plain. The daughters of Lot married homosexuals. Because when Lot came out and announced to the Sodomites, he said, let me tell you something. They've never known a man 
They had married homosexuals that didn't want them. And God said, that Lot said, you can have my daughters. They've never known a man. Oh, these girls, you can commit to sodomy with these girls. And brother, listen to me. God took to those angels, took a lot the next morning and dragged them out of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And as soon as he got out, the fire and the brimstone rained, R-A-I-N-E-D, rained out of heaven, and every living, breathing thing in Sodom and Gomorrah, brother, was destroyed. I don't have long to stay on this, but I'm going to tell you something. Atlanta's got 110,000 Sodomites. They got on record 110,000. That's where I live. And brother, I tell you, they ought to get out. I don't want the town and the city where I live disgraced with the filth and the abominations of the Sodomites. Oh, you say, preacher, how terrible it is. How terrible it is. 110,000. Isn't that pitiful? A place where I live in Atlanta, Georgia, has got 110,000 sodomites. I want to tell you, mister, if God doesn't do something about Atlanta, Georgia, he'd better go back and dig up Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize to them because he destroyed them because of sodomy. And if God lets Atlanta, Georgia get by and lets Pilot Mountain get by and lets this country get by, he'd better apologize to those that he destroyed in the fire in the brimstone in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at number three, would you? Look at number three. The Bible said in the days of Moses. Two things about those. It said, if a man lie with a man. You want me to give you scripture? Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 13. This is what he says. If a man lies with a man or a woman lies with a woman. Are you listening? I'm putting this down where you can understand it. The Bible said two things. First, it's an abomination in the sight of God. God said it makes him sick. When he sees a man with a man, and if it makes God sick, why do we have preachers running around here saying, well, it's just, just another lifestyle. It's not. It's satanic. Bless God, it's of the devil. And it's time preachers stand up, brother, and preach as they never preached before. You say, you going to offer that on the radio? I sure am. You say, well, they like it. They don't like a lot of mouth on the radio. But brother, they need to be just as sure as your name. It's brother Mays. They need it. Are you listening to me? I want you to listen now. Bible said two things. Leviticus 20 and verse 13. So if a man goes for the man, and God looks down on him and says, it's abomination. It smells in the nostrils of God. Now listen to what he says. And both of those men are to be taken out and to be killed. I didn't put that in the Bible. God put it in the Bible. God said, if you catch two men and they're making love and they're having homosexual sex, God said both of them are to die. He said, if two women are caught, it's an abomination for the women to be in the Elizabethan sin. And God said they're to be killed. And somebody said, well, preacher, I think you're too hard. Argue with God. I didn't write this book. Brother, I'm just preaching and what the book says. And it's sure that there's a God in heaven. And if you're here this Sunday afternoon, Leviticus 20 and verse 13 said, If a man lie with a man, if a woman lie with a woman. Read that. There's about five or six verses right in there. When you get home, you need to read those verses. You need to see what God Almighty said to Moses. He said, You tell those Israelites, and you tell them it'll destroy them. As the Haitians today, 
Are you listening to me? This age been started with down in, with the Haitians, and everywhere you find a bunch of Haitians, brother, eat up with AIDS because they're the first ones that said we found a better way. We'd rather have men with men, women with women, than a man with a woman. It's God said, and a woman with a man and a home and bring children. And you let me say this to you: the homosexuals know they cannot reproduce, so you know what they do? They prey on your children. You've got teachers in some of the schools. In North Carolina, and they're homosexuals, and they're out here trying to recruit your children, and my children, and my grandchildren, all to be homosexuals, because the lifestyle, they cannot reproduce, and God said, this is the way it ought to be, a man with a woman, and they shall become one flesh, and they shall replenish earth, and they, my friends, shall bring children into this world, and that's God's way, but if you, you say, there's no homosexuals in our schools. What is this, Surrey County? Is that what it is? Why, you're foolish, mother. You better wake up. You better wake up. You just don't know how many homosexuals are teaching up there. And you don't know how many homosexuals are down here in Winston-Salem. And somebody said, why, Brother Mace, God Almighty said their abomination it stinks in my nostrils. And God said... They shall be put to death. Well, let me give you the fourth thing. Now we're getting down to the nitty-gritty, sure enough, about the judgment of God upon AIDS. You see, in our generation, God's not sending fire down. In our generation, God's not going to let you take a man out and just kill him for that, as he did in the days of Moses. But in our generation, you know what God's going to permit? He's going to permit this AIDS to spread to innocent people and little children. There's a little girl in Atlanta, Georgia, and she's dying with AIDS. She don't know what homosexuality is. She don't know what lesbianism is. But she caught that disease called AIDS. Somebody committed a terrible sin. And that terrible sin was abomination in the sight of God. And are you listening to me? And God let this new plague, this they call it the gay plague. Thank God they, uh, they've... Uh, Stop most of the bathhouses. At least they closed them up in Atlanta where the gays met. And now the gays are afraid to meet at the bars. And the Democrats, of all people, chose San Francisco to go out there, bless God, to that gay place. I was in San Francisco not so long ago, and I told them, I said, I want to get out. There may be a cloud coming up, bless God. And did you know that that's a headquarters for the homosexuals? And brother, are you listening to me? And I'm a Democrat. I want to straighten some of you Democrats out because I'm a Democrat. I want you to know that. But I'm first a Christian. A Christian. But these lousy Democrats chose that place out there to go out there and to say we're going to back the homosexuals. I wouldn't vote for a Democrat, a Republican, or any other plutocrat. Bless God, that's for the gays and the homosexuals and the strange flesh. Brother, we need to stand. We need to stand. The devil killed the only good Democrat we had in Georgia. Had Larry McDonald. He stood against the homosexuality. Old Larry got up on the street down there in front of the front of the Capitol. That backslidden, compromising Atlanta Journal made fun of him and said, "We got a square. We got a man that doesn't like him." Our beloved Jimmy Carter. Well, if he's a Democrat and that's all you got, you're in bad shape, honey. That's all I got to say. Jimmy Carter, he endorsed homosexuality, ERA, 
giving money away, giving this country to the communists. And then he got people in this country that say, well, brother, I'm a, I'm a Democrat too, but not that brand. Say amen. Brother, we need somebody to stand up, look the devil in the face, and say I'm taking my stand. And old Larry McDonald did. And I stood with Larry McDonald. And when I heard the other night that plane is shot down, I wept. Oh, you say, preacher, I said, give us some more Larry McDonald's in Georgia. Give us some more men that love God in the Bible more than they love the praise of a party in politics and the praise of a liberal people in the church. Did you know some of the people in our church made fun of him because he took a stand? But I want to tell you, brother, I'm glad he took a stand. You say, preacher, what happened? Early 70s, they started noticing this disease called AIDS. I want to give you something real quickly. That's what the Bible said. Galatians, if you sow to the flesh, you love the flesh with corruption. And the homosexuals sowed to the flesh, and now they're reaping AIDS. And the Bible said it's corruptible. And the Scripture said if you sow to the flesh, you love the flesh with corruption. Now, I want you to watch something. It's the nearest thing to leprosy. And boy, I tell you, people are afraid of leprosy. Did you know people are afraid of leprosy? Where you go, they're afraid of leprosy. I've been to a leper colony. It is awful. I, I mean, I, I was in Africa once in a leper colony. And it's terrible. I saw women with no noses. I saw men with fingers eaten off. I saw children with no toes. Lepers! And you know what it was? They said corruption. It oozed with corruption. You know what AIDS is? AIDS is a disease called the gay plague. And it eats away at the blood cells. And there's no cure. And there's no one that's ever caught it. That's ever lived very long. They die out like flies. And now they're saying, keep your mouth shut, Maze. I'm not going to keep my mouth shut as long as there's a little girl like this around. I'm not going to keep my mouth shut as long as your little boy has to go to public school up there and some old homosexual teaches him. Are you listening? I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to preach and stand for children and for God and for righteousness and for the flag and for liberty and for God's way of living. And brother, we better stand. Let me show you something. Show you something about leprosy. The Bible said in Matthew chapter... Eight. I don't understand this first. I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jesus about it. Because a leper wasn't supposed to be with the rest of them. I wish we'd get these little homosexuals out here and put a brand on them so we'd know every one of them. Say amen. amen. I don't believe you ought to be around with decent, honorable, God-fearing mothers. Little mothers that worked hard. Daddies that are true to God. I don't believe they ought to be allowed. I don't believe they ought to be allowed your children and my grandchildren. I believe that they they have something better. Oh, and we ought to have something better for our children than that mess. But I want to show you something now. I want you to get this. And Matthew says, and this great multitude came down with, uh, with Jesus. And in that multitude, he wasn't supposed to be in there. It said a leper's in there. And that leper ran out and fell down on the pavement, the Bible said, in front of Jesus, and worshipped. And that poor old leper that was going to die, that was going to die. You know what Jesus said? He looked at that fellow, and that fellow spoke first. He said, if thou wilt. He didn't say, heal me now. If it had been me and you, he would have said, heal us. But that man said, that leper said, if thou wilt, cleanse me. I'm dirty. 
I got these old sores and they're dirty. And I want to be clean. And the Bible said Jesus reached out and touched him. And you know what Jesus said? Be thou clean. And praise God, that poor old leper was cleansed and made whole. But brother, he was cleansed from his leprosy. In the book of Leviticus chapter 14, the Bible said a leper would come and knock on the knock on the tabernacle door. You see, he couldn't use his hand. Maybe he'd have to take his elbow. And the priest would come, and he'd say, you're going to die. But you've come to God. He's the only answer. Brother, let me tell you something. With this age and with the homosexuality in America, I want to tell you the only hope is God. We'd better pray for revival. That men would come to God and women would come to God. You say, what happened? That priest went back in to two little birds. And what did those birds? He looked on their wings and looked on their neck. And when he searched all around, you know what he did? He took that first bird, took a knife and cut his throat. And then he took that bird and squeezed the blood out in a basin flowing over water. And then he took that little living bird after he killed and shed the blood of that other bird. And he held two parts of that. He held his wings and his little legs. And he rolled that bird around in that hot blood until he got all that blood as much as he could on his wings and feet. And then that priest went to that door and kicked it open. And there lying on the ground was that old leper that there wasn't any cure for. That old leper that there wasn't any hope for. And he let go one thing. He let go of its wings. And when he let go of its wings, that little bird fluttered. Little wings went like that. And when the wings went like that, the blood fell on that leper. And that leper jumped up and said, clean. He looked at his hands and he looked at himself and God had cleansed that leper. That's the only cure. I want to tell you, mister, if you're here, if you know someone that's in, in this awful, awful, terrible syndrome of the homosexuality style of living, God's their only hope. And God is the only one that can deliver them. And he's got the cure. And he will cure. If men come to him, thank God he'll cure. Let me show you something. I was in Tent last week up in Lisbeth, Tennessee. I never had a city open up to me like that city. The, the police department directed our traffic in the big tent. A captain came after me every night at the motel. And that captain came back and took me in a police car home, or back to the motel. I've never had people to do like that. The motel said, we're giving your room, we're giving your each. The funeral homes there got together and said, we'll feed all the visiting preachers that come in. I never seen anything like it. On all, all, all the signs, everywhere on the banks and everywhere, it said, Tim the Mays Jackson Crusade, citywide tent meeting. Everybody, the newspaper was there. You've never seen so much publicity. Channel 11, Johnson City Television, CB, they were there taking, they were taking, and every night at 6 o'clock, 11 o'clock, they gave reports of our revival. I've never seen a town open up. The people at the courthouse up there, they came down and said, we'll be the ushers. And they took the responsibility of ushering. I never seen churches get together. We never had under 74 preachers. It was one time we had a hundred and something preachers. Never seen it like that before in one tent meeting, not a preacher's meeting, just a tent meeting. Preaching! But one night I went home and the boy called me and he said, I can't talk to you tonight, I'll talk to you in the morning. So the next morning he called and he said, I'm a homosexual. Mr. Jackson, I was in your meeting and I agree with what you said. 
He said, I belong, and let me give it to you. I belong to the Metropolitan Community Church in Johnson City, nine miles from here. Now listen to what he said. He said, my pastor is a homosexual. And my pastor says that homosexuality is right and that the Bible doesn't condemn it. I said, boy, you've got more. Do you know the Bible, son? He said, yes. He said, I knew that that was wrong. He said, I was brought up, but ever since I was nine years old, I've been practicing homosexuality. He said, I'm in his, he said, somebody's in his 20s. I didn't catch it. But he said, I'm at work. He said, the people where I work know I'm homosexual. And my mother and dad, it's, it's killing them. He said, I've been to psychiatrists and psychologists. He said, I've been to medical doctors. He said, I've been to preachers. But he said, I believe I'm going to die if I don't get out of this way and this style of living. He said, when I get out of church, when I come to hear somebody like you for a little while, I can suppress that awful feeling of my attraction for the same sex. But then he said, after a while, it's like a fire that burns in my bosom. And I'm driven to this thing. He said, Mr. Jackson, I've got confidence in you. And I believe that's about Thursday. He said, I can't be back till Saturday night. But I want you to pray for me. God's the only hope. Oh, he said, God is my only hope. And brother, God is. God's your only hope. Are you listening? It's like a leprosy. Outside of God, there's no cure. Now listen, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I live in three miles and a half of what they call Stone Mountain. You ever heard of it? Stone Mountain, Georgia. I live three miles and a half like a bird flies. But if you go right down through the cave and over toward Emory University, that's where they got the health center for our government. And 24 hours a day in that health center, they're working on the disease called AIDS. And the other day they interviewed one of the doctors that's working feverishly. And he said, there is nothing in sight, no hope. He said, if you've contracted AIDS, you're going to die. He said, medical science is baffled. We don't find a cure. We can't find a cure. And I said, you know why? To myself. I said, I can tell you why, mister. It's the judgment of God upon the sin of the homosexuality. It's the judgment of God. Now, let me give you this last thing, then I'll close. Not only do you find the judgment of God on this generation with AIDS, and I've asked for, but the judgment of God's going to fall in the future because of the sin of homosexuality. Now, you say, preacher, what do you mean? Turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 1. And I'll just show you something while you've got your Bible open, because you wouldn't believe it. I mean, some of you would go home and read it, and then you'd believe it. If you'll turn to Romans chapter 1, you're going to see something. It tells you in Romans chapter 1 that three times that God gave that crowd up. The three times. The first time it talks about Romans 1, it said God gave them over to vile affections. God gave them over to that which is dirty and vile. And the Bible said the woman lusted after the woman, and the man lusted after the man. It's in Romans chapter 1. It said it turned from the natural. You see, the lifestyle of the homosexual is not natural. Brother, it's unnatural. And we'd better see what God says here in Romans chapter 1. God's judgment's going to fall, and just as sure as I'm in this pulpit, and just as sure as you're here in Friendly Chapel, are you listening to me? The judgment of God is going to fall upon the strange flesh and the things that God says in this chapter. Listen to what God said. It said the women burned after women. 
It said to men, after men. And God said, all right, I'll just give that outfit up. And God said first, a vile affections. And then he comes down and says, I give you up to a reprobate mind. Do you know what a reprobate mind is? a rock. It's a stone. It can't be changed. And God said, though you'd want to change your mind, and though you'd want to change your lifestyle, God said, I'll give you up to a reprobate mind. And the Word of God says, and he catalogs all this the rest of the chapter, and he talks about they changed the truth of God into lie to suit them. You see, when people don't want to accept God's way, they take the truth and turn it into a lie. But, mister, you're going to be judged by the truth of God. And we need to hear the truth. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Let me give you this, and then I'll close. I was in Macomb, Georgia. I won't tell you the name of the church. I've got a lot of friends in Macomb that'll probably get this take, so I don't want to... But I was in Macon, Georgia, one of the best friends I ever had, preacher. One night he said to me, he said, Brother Mays, there's a woman that's come to the altar. I cannot help her. I wonder, can you help her? I said, I don't know, preacher, what's her trouble? He said, she's stealing a man's wife in this church. He said, that man's wife singing in the choir. And said, this woman comes to her home when her husband goes to work. But said, this woman seems to be under conviction and said she needs help. I said, well, brother, and I called the preacher's name. I said, when that woman comes to the altar, I'll try to help her. And so that night, he motioned, and he said, that's her. A lady came down to pray with her, and I took my Bible, and I slipped over, and I said, ma'am, I want to help you. Can I help you? And she said, you see that woman up in that choir? And I said, what woman? She said, I love that woman. And I'm going to have that woman, and that woman's got children, but I'm going to break that home up. And said, that woman says she loves her husband, but she's going to love me before it's over. And I said, lady, God's liable to kill you. I said, did you know what the Bible says, the sin you want to commit with that woman? God said it's abomination in the sight of God. And in the book of Romans it said, and God will give you up. And brother, the tears came down her cheeks. I'm telling the tears fell off of her cheeks, and she said, but I can't give that woman up. One year after that, I was back in Macon, Georgia, West, West, West End Baptist Church. Same church. That woman came down, and the woman in the choir came down. And I got down there, and I said to the preacher, I said, we've got to help these two if we can. And that woman in the choir said, make her stop sending me flowers. I said, make her stop sending me candy. Make her stop coming over wearing a hat like a man. She's tearing up my home. Boy, I got down there and I prayed. But the sad part of it is, she'd been turned over to a reprobate mind. The last time I saw that preacher, he said, Preacher, she broke up that home and said, That man's got those little kids by himself. And those two women are living in a trailer over yonder together. He said, What do you think's going to happen? I said, I think that the judgment of God's going to fall on them. God said it's abomination, and the judgment of God's going to fall on them. Ever hid by the right cold AIDS, you say, what is the answer to AIDS? Judgment. That's, that's what it is. That's what it is. It's the judgment of God. You see, they can't find a cure for it because 
God sends it. Brother, when God sends judgment, man can't keep it back. Are you, I don't care how advanced and computerized we are. I don't care how medical science is advanced. And I live right close to Emory University. And I thank God I do because Dr. Bloomberg, one of the great Jewish doctors of the South, is my doctor. And brother, when I stood down at the valley of death, he did all he could. And he walked out of that room and he said, Miss Jackson, it's in the hands of God. I've tried everything that medical science can offer to keep Mays alive. It's in the hand of God. You know what God did? Because he knew my heart and my desire to preach and to be true to God, he reached down at the river of death, and God brought me back. And if you'd call Dr. Bloomberg in the morning, he'd tell you there's a cure. There's a cure! Even when a man stands at the death door. But if you'll call Dr. Bloomberg in the morning and say, Is there a cure for AIDS? He'd say, No. That's the judgment of God on this generation. Little girls will contract it. Little boys will contract it. I'll tell you folks, it's time we stand and be faithful to God. I wanted to want the ladies to play softly. says, God said, I'll give them up. I believe America's having her last opportunity. I believe America's having, having her last chance to get right with God. Are you listening? I believe America's got her last opportunity. Oh, it'd be pitiful that we've gone so far away. We've gone so far away. We've gone so far away. It's pitiful. It's sad that little children are going to suffer because of the sin of the homosexual. And a doctor in Atlanta one day in an interview said there'll be more people die with AIDS than died in Sodom and Gomorrah. Think about that. Think about that. I'll tell you what I want us to do on this Sunday night and Sunday afternoon service. I don't know of any homosexuals in my family. And if there were some, I couldn't help it. I'd still stand against it. But I believe we ought to come to the altar as mothers and dads and pray for people that's been caught in the snare of that. And before they're turned over to the devil for the destruction of the flesh, and before they're turned over to a reprobate mind where they can't believe, I believe we better pray. And before they contract AIDS, We'd better get them to God. We'd better pray for them. Because if they contract AIDS, they're goners. It's a opponent wants to die. I mean, they're goners. That's the judgment of God. Father, I thank you for the truth of God. I'm glad that Asa, the great king, said, I'm going to remove the Sodomites. I'm going to take them out of the land where there will not be a plague upon our people. Now, Lord, the only way we can... We can take them out of our land is to bring the gospel, the pure, saving, life-changing gospel to them. And if they believe, they can be saved. And if they don't, they'll be damned and turned over to the devil. Oh, I pray, God, that you'd lay a burden on us to be faithful. Ere this plague, the gay plague, the AIDS, 
sweep our people across this land. Oh, God, help us today. In Jesus' name, keep your head bowed, will you? Keep your head bowed. I want to ask you something. I want anybody to look except me and the Lord. Have you got somebody in your family that you want me to pray for that's mixed up in that awful scene? And you'd like for me to just pray for them? I'll be glad to pray for them. Would you step up your hand? All right. God bless you. Now you can take your hand down because I don't want people looking. This is not for show. If you've got somebody in your family that's mixed up in that awful scene, you, I want to pray for them. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. That's pitiful, isn't it? That's pitiful. You say you're critical. No, I'm, I feel I feel a burden to pray for them. I feel like if I don't, I'm going to going to fail you and fail over next. It's another rich hand. If you've got someone in your family that's mixed up now. Yes. Yes, I see it. There's another. I believe that's six. There's another. All right, I'm going to pray right now. Father, before we continue this invitation today, I don't know these six. I don't know how long they've been in the grip of that awful sin. But Lord, these loved ones are burdened and they love them. These loved ones are disturbed. These loved ones want prayer. And, oh, God, if you can't help us and you can't help them, then, Lord, we can't do a thing. But I'm glad the blood, oh, you said, we're sinned and abound. Grace did much more abound. And thank God, I'm glad the blood can cover sin and cleanse sin and make people new. 